We've been teaching on the real walk. And you know, uh, if you haven't been here, it would do you good to go back and listen. But these are like standalone too, so you can learn some things. And um, when we're talking about the real walk, we're talking about how that God designed our Christian walk to be and what makes it what it is. And uh, so if you'll turn with me to John 16, we've been starting here, but moving on to different subjects. John 16, and we know that this, because we've been looking, it can be controversial what we're about to talk about. In other words, when I gave my life to the Lord, when way back when I committed to him, there would be discussions with my friends. You know, if I was alive when Jesus was alive, it'd be way better than being alive today. And kind of like we got the raw end of the deal, you know, kind of a stinky relationship, you know. I mean, sure, we get to go to heaven, but if we could have only lived when he lived. And, uh, you know, I think most people would think that. If we could only have lived when Jesus walked on the earth, it would be way, way different. Now, I believe there are benefits to it, but he is going to, Jesus himself, is about to make some startling statements here. And we've looked at these. John 16, verse 7, says this. And now he's leaving. He's told him, I'm going to go. I'm going to die for you, for the world. And he said this in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage, not disadvantage, to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, who we saw is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. So interesting that he said, it's a benefit if I leave. Now, that means we live in a day and age until he comes back to the earth where we have an advantage over the apostles and the people that walked on the earth with him. Now, now I know in our heads we'll think, uh-uh. But how many are you going to believe, yourself or Jesus? Well, in this case, um, no, we always go back and we go, okay, we have to believe the word of God. The problem is, is that maybe we haven't experienced what he was talking about. Maybe we've touched it a little bit, uh, but maybe uh, there is something more to be had. You with me? Is there, and it's not just life as an experience, but is there some kind of reality that he said would benefit us and it would be an advantage if he left? They didn't even believe it because they were all sorrowful. They were all upset. It even says that. So they weren't believing it. They were thinking, great, we've invested all this time to follow the Lord. Now he's leaving, and we're going to be on our own. And he said, no, it's good. It's to your advantage that I leave. And they didn't even hear it because they're like, come on. But you know what? He, he still was telling the truth. Is, 
I mean, here's something, you know, that we've looked at concerning the believer. None of them had God living in them when they walked on the earth. None of them could be made new until Jesus died and rose again. None of them could have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not some blob or some just force. He, he's God, the Holy Spirit. And he said, when I depart, this is why it will benefit you. The helper will not come to you unless I leave. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So he was going to send him to us, the believer. What a difference. So if, if I have a relationship with God now, I realize this from the scripture. My relationship is just not what I see, what I touch, and what I feel. When the Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight, you could change that word and say we walk by faith and not by how we feel or by the senses. As a matter of fact, Jesus warned in the last days, be careful because people will say, oh, the Lord appeared here or the Lord appeared there. He said, no, that's not how it's going to happen. He said, I will come back from the sky and everybody will see me. But he told us one way people will get deceived is they'll look at the natural. What we need to realize is there is something spiritual that is more real than the natural. And if we have relied a lot on the natural, we kind of will miss out. Like I used to have people witness to me when I was in the world. They'd tell me about the Lord and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was when God started dealing with me, I thought if I partied, if I did all these things and had all these experiences in the natural, man, I would be fulfilled. I would have it. But then when I was doing it, I knew I didn't have it. But what I was going to get in time, so to speak, when I came to know the Lord, all of a sudden what was, you know, in the physical, and I was trying to find pleasure in it, and I, and I couldn't, when I finally surrendered my life to the Lord, then all of a sudden I went, whoa. And then all of a sudden I'm telling everybody, hey, you're getting drunk, you're partying, you're doing this. I know something that's, that is real, that's not a counterfeit, that won't leave you empty, that will fulfill you. And, and I mean, I was like, if you didn't move, you're getting it. I mean, I would tell people, because I had reality. Before I had that reality, it was like whatever. But what was that reality? God, when I received him, made me new, and then his spirit, the same one that he said it would be to your benefit, would come and live in you. Now, all of a sudden, life started changing for me. I mean, things started happening and I used to think, man, I wasted so much money on all that junk, and it was just gone. And now all of a sudden, and, and all my friends knew me, uh, you know, as kind of a little bit crazy, 
or, or a lot. But when I gave my life to the Lord, man, everything changed. And, you know, people would say, well, how do you know God's real? And I thought to myself, well, what you're wanting is something physical to show up right here. And um, he may do that and he may not, but it's fewer and further in between where he shows up like that. But all of a sudden, I knew him. And everywhere I was going, he was with me. And you can't deny, you can deny my reality, but it doesn't change reality. Some of you can say, well, I don't believe that. I had the weirdest things start happening to me. I remember one time I, I was uh, hanging out after, and I had led one of my friends to the Lord, and he was in a sorority uh, at a college and in one of their homes, you know, that were off campus and they were having this huge party and they had converted the garage and everybody knew him and this guy, his nickname, his real name was Steve, his nickname was Gumby. That should tell you something. If you don't know who Gumby is, he's that little green blob of clay. Sorry, I'm going through the intro of the cartoon. He, he could make him any, and we would just, you know, because he was kind of like, hey, man. And he gave his life to the Lord, and he totally changed. And he was there this night of this party, and uh, he didn't get out of the house, and he thought, I'll just go, and the garage is split in half, and it's a real big, kind of like the ones you would see in some kind of movie. It's an older home that had been turned into a, you know, like a frat house. So the garage door was stuck closed, and they put doors on it so, and divided it. So his bedroom was just like long and thin with the bed over in the corner and a dresser. Not much to it. If you have to go to the bathroom, you have to head into the house. So I'm over at this other person's house, and all of a sudden, this same one who is influencing me now in my life, and these things were new all of a sudden said, leave. But it wasn't a voice, it was an impression. Not up here. And I remember telling the person who I was with, I gotta go. And they're like, okay. So I took off driving. I'm heading home and thinking, where am I going? Then all of a sudden I knew, go over to this person's home. Nobody said anything to me. God was alive. He was living in me. This is a new reality. I thought being high was cool, this is nuts. And I remember driving along down the street, and I'm about to turn up at, at where this guy lives. you got to go up and then turn right. And inside I heard these words, but like an impression. Steve, God didn't call him Gumby, Steve is in trouble. And I remember I looked pretty scraggly because I wasn't thinking I'm going to go out. And I remember I was barefoot because, you know, in California you could be barefoot and it's legal. And, um, and the pavement's not 120. And I remember all I had in the back of my car was some of those slippers that look like bear claws. You know what I'm talking about? This is a total truth. Those big ones. And I thought, and it kind of had sprinkled a little bit. And so I remember turning the corner and there were just cars everywhere. And I went, oh, wow, 
I, I don't know what's going on, why he's in trouble. So I pulled my car up into the driveway a little bit, thinking I'm not going to be here long. And I remember walking up and walking past everybody who's just hanging around, and I've got these big bear claw slippers. It's a spiritual mission. You know, and I remember my shirt, the sleeves were tore off to here. And I, like I said, I looked like I was gardening or something. I don't know. And uh, only had half of a Halloween costume. And I remember I opened up the door into his room. And there's like, I don't know, a number of people in there. And they're all partying. And he's at the head of the bed all crunched up like this with his head down. And he looked up at me like, whoa. And these guys knew me before because I had, had sold them things like drugs and marijuana and so they knew who I was and they knew where I am now and they just looked at me and just one by one walked it remember when Jesus said to the woman where are your accusers you know after he said whoever is without sin cast the first stone it said they all left that happened to me that night I walked in there all boink 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 out the door and he looked at me and he said wow and I was like, what? He's like, I was being so tempted to go back and party and do all this stuff. And he said, about 20 minutes ago, I started praying, Lord, you got to send me somebody. You got to help me. If you don't send somebody, I, I may just cave in right now. I need you to. So he said, I just sat on my bed and just started praying. And then more people came in and partying. More people came in and partying. Then the door opened and you were there. I said, let's get out of here. Let's go to in and out Because that's where you go in California for comfort. No. And so there was in and out right up the street. So I went up there. And it's so wild, these two or three other Christian friends showed up out of the blue and we all just hung out and talked, and he was super encouraged. Now, I'm not saying that kind of stuff happened every day, but all of a sudden, uh, the Holy Spirit in me would start trying to influence my life, and um, he wants to influence everybody's life who's a believer. You know, just a side thought. Some reasons why he can't influence people to the degree he would like to is they won't respond to the little things. But when they start responding to the little dealings, he can, can help you with some bigger things. Because I'll tell you what, in this day and age, we need the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives like never before. And this is a reality. And... Uh, and I mean, I could go on and tell stories, but then I wouldn't get to this verse that I want to read. And, uh, but he said it would be to your advantage. In other words, and notice he's called the helper. God wants to help us. And the, one of the primary ways he's going to help us is through his word, the Bible, and the spirit is going to work and help us. But when I first got saved, people would talk about the Holy Spirit like he would talk through a microphone. Okay, everybody, I need you to go ahead and do this and uh, go ahead. And I'm thinking, that's not happening to me. 
But I would know things like have an impression inside. I knew if I was doing right, and I knew if I was doing wrong. Now, I should be able to know by the scriptures, but when we're tender toward God, uh, we should not violate our conscience. Are you with me? I, my roommate in Bible school uh, virtually just about walked away from God. He, uh, he told me later, he said, you know, after he would get home from work, he'd go to Bible school, get home, uh, and then just turn on the TV, and like people used to say, I don't know what the term is now, gel out. Just watch TV till you go to bed. And he said what would happen is, because I talked to him later, uh, he said, I would kind of know I shouldn't be doing this. It wasn't a voice. It was kind of like, down here. And he said, I just would ignore it. And then he said it got to the point where he couldn't even sense God anymore. He told me it's the hardest thing to go to Bible school. And he believes he's called to the ministry. He said, I don't even want to serve God. I don't want to do anything with God. Because he had just started getting hard because he kept ignoring God. And here's what happened. Here's what happens when we ignore God. When we ignore him and ignore his word and ignore his dealings, we stop living from where he is inside of us and we start living by how we feel. And if my feelings feel one way, we'll go that. The Bible calls that a carnal Christian or one who lives after the flesh in Galatians 5. And what happens is all the good, it hasn't doesn't mean God left you. It's just like you've been, it's been suppressed. You know, I I tell that story about when I was in the world and, and I lived in California, my grandparents had a cabin and they never used it because they had another place in Montana. And so I told them, can I use it? Well, sure. You know, it's up in the mountains, it snowed. So what am I going to do? I'm going to have a party and invite all my 20 of my closest friends, and we're going to hang out. And I remember being up there, and these are horrible stories. I don't magnify them, but there's the side, because you go, like, why were you in this closet you're about to tell us about? Well, I was smoking pot, and I thought, I don't want to share with everybody, so I'll go hide in the closet. And a friend of mine goes, where are you going? So I said, well, I'm going to go... So I go in there, and he's sitting in there. We're sitting on a bench, smoke, get ready to leave. There's a lock on the outside of the door. My grandfather's a minister, and uh, he is. He's in heaven now. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I remember panicking in there because I got a glow-in-the-dark Frisbee that's got marijuana on it and all this other junk, and I'm like having these paranoia attacks and I'm going to die in there and I'm going to be like a skeleton and he's going to show up and this is all he's going to see. And I'm yelling, but everybody in the house, they we brought a big stereo and speakers and it's just so loud. Nobody can hear us and we're pounding on the floor yelling, let us out, let us out, let us out. 
that house was holding us back. That house was only a, you know, to be a tool for us to use. That's what homes are. But in all reality, some Christians allow their house to rule them and hold back God who lives in them. And I'm sitting here pounding, going, let me out. <laughs> Nobody heard me. And we're pounding on the floor, and I'm thinking, great, I can't kick in the door. You know, it's a conflict. Am I going to die in here, or do I kick in the door? You wonder what happened? I'm here. No. And, uh, but anyway, we ended up getting out. But here is the thing. We were trapped inside, and who in here knows the Lord? And if we don't respond to him, he gets trapped inside. He doesn't get to express himself through us. And when he's not able to express himself through us, it limits the benefits we experience. And it's not that God condemns us, but there are things we can do to really experience, I mean really experience, some stuff. Notice this. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, notice this, if I depart, I will send him to you. He will come to you. Now understand this concerning the Holy Spirit. He will not just come to you. He will come live in you. That is a truth that the New Testament talks about. He said you will become the temple of God and he will live in you. And he's called the helper and I will send him to you. We're going to skip down to verse 13. And it says this, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, who's the Holy Spirit, who's called the counselor, who's called the helper, he said when he's come, he will guide you into all truth. Notice he will guide you. He will direct you. How many of you realize this? Though you're a Christian, you can live in conflict. You can live in conflict with your own head. Adam and Eve dealt with conflict in their life. God had told them something, they knew it, and a temptation came to pull them a different way, and there became a conflict in their head. And they went the wrong direction. And it affected the life of God that they had. And, and it affected their relationship with God. But the Holy Spirit, the benefit in the New Testament is He doesn't leave you when you sin. He, the Bible said He'll never leave you. Now that doesn't mean He gets mad and He just stands right here, but I haven't left. No. The Christian, when they receive the Lord, God comes in, makes a person new, His Spirit comes to live in them. He makes his permanent home in us. And we are to guard and manage our relationship with God. One person said, and it's scriptural, if we don't govern our own lives, we've really uh, failed at the greatest responsibility 
of, of, of the person. The Bible said it like this, learn how to possess your own vessel separated to God. And what we need to realize is self-governance is a huge, huge thing. And we want to stay sensitive to God because God will lead you, the Bible said, to green pastures. That doesn't mean, you know, we're going to eat grass. But the idea is you'll be fulfilled and satisfied like a sheep would when it was eating. And so we need to know this. If the Holy Spirit is going to guide us, and we have the Spirit, and I'm going to look at a couple things real quick, and this is huge. How can I, this is big, how can I as a believer... If one day I was real sensitive to God, but maybe I'm not, or maybe I gave my life to the Lord, and um, one time I was real sensitive, right now I'm not. For those who are and recognize God in his dealings, these will help you too. Notice this in, in Isaiah. Turn there, the 41st or 40th chapter. And once we get there, I'm going to share a couple of things and then read these verses. How to stay sensitive, aware of God, uh, in tune with God once we've come to know him and we're children of God. Once we've given our life to him, what the Bible calls being born again or born made new or a new creation. All Bible terms. What, what can I do? In the Bible, in, second, in Acts the second chapter, it talks about these Christians who the Spirit of God came and lived in them. And the Bible said they were filled with the Spirit. But those same Christians got filled again in Acts 4. And then we read in Acts 19 that there were a group of Christians that got filled with the Spirit. And then, the, then they were in the city called Ephesus. Then later on, the writer of the book of Ephesians encouraged them to be filled again or maintain an overflowing life. So here's the thought here. Do we leak out the Holy Spirit? You know, like, you know, like if you have an oil leak and you go to somebody's driveway, you're like, oh, I can't park in your driveway. I don't want to leak, you know, oil in your driveway. Is that how we are as Christians? We're just leaking out the Holy Spirit? Like, you know, is one of his legs leaked out and he's weaker? Because it's almost that impression, you leak. But really, it's not that at all. It literally means to about being filled and filled again. It literally talks about overflowing. In other words, he who's in you, when you give your life to the Lord... You've got to do certain things so that you continually overflow with him. My roommate at Bible school, where he wanted to quit, he made some personal adjustments. He, he stopped doing some of those things that, that kind of nagged at him inside. And when he did, he said the reality of God and his presence got strong. 
he wrote me a card years later and said, you know, at Christmas, and he put a note in it. He said, whenever I notice myself not being aware of God, sensitive to God, like I did, I always go back and look, are you controlling the urges of your life? And he said for him, it was primarily in that area of TV. All of us have, that are saved have a relationship with God. He will make it a point to deal with us. And if we are overlooking those dealings, what we're about to look at will help. So he said, once you're filled, you need to maintain an overflowing life. Now here is a thought. The word fill literally means to imbue. And somebody said, oh, that's good. Somebody said, yeah, that might be good, but what does it mean? Anybody wondering what that means? Nobody? We'll just go on then. No, I'll tell you what it means. It literally means to inspire. So when we are filled with God, when we get saved, you could say we're inspired by Him. He inspires us from the inside. It also means to permeate. You know, in other words, not just to be locked away, but just kind of influence your whole being, your existence. So when he said, be filled with the Spirit, you could say this, when a person does what it takes to maintain a Spirit-filled life, they're going to do what it takes to be inspired by him. In other words, it will bring inspiration to your life. That's why you can read through the New Testament and it'll say somebody preached when they were full of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God inspired them. Jesus was led to do certain things or different people were led to do something. What, would, what, what could we say? We could say they were inspired by God. How many times have people just come and gotten into a worship service? They maybe felt blue or down or something, and all of a sudden uh, they were inspired. They were lifted up. Maybe they were already doing good. They got more permeated with God. So God lives in us, but there is a difference between Him living in us and us overflowing. Are you with me? We have a constant fountain. Jesus said, he who would be in you would be in you like rivers. So he wants to flow and influence us. Here's how we do it. One, we've got to respond to him when he deals with us. That will help. And I'm not talking about a voice. I'm talking about things we know inside. Amen. Somebody said, well, I'm not sure what I'm knowing. Well, go by the word of God. And what does it tell us? And then here are some things in this verse or verses that will help us. Isaiah 40, 40th chapter, 29th verse. This is talking about a person with his relationship. And what he did in his relationship, Isaiah, this prophet, or these people... And he, he's talking and he explains what will happen if an individual will take time with the Lord. 
we are knowledgeable enough to know that when we take time with something, something, you know, that we've spent time with will influence us. Would you agree? I mean, I remember when I worked in commercial construction, we did a jack-in-the-box distribution center. They got a lot of those jackheads in there, you know, the little ones you put on your antenna when people... Anyway, sorry, sorry about that. But they had a freezer, and then inside, or a refrigerator, then they had a freezer, and then they had this real deep freeze freezer. And before people would go in there... They would dress up. Anybody know what those moving blankets kind of look like? They're woven. That's what those clothes look like. They would put them on because they said if you get in there, the influence of the freezing would, uh, you know, that real, real cold would influence you and could hurt you even if you adjust a little bit to it because of that influence. And what he's going to talk about is people who would spend time with God there would be an influence upon their life. And in one sense, for a Christian, there's an outward influence when we spend time with God, but then there's an inward influence. Notice this Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak. If you're weak, there's power. He said, and to those who have no might... Man, I feel like I'm weak. I feel like I'm, the world is just creeping in on me. Jesus told people, and the disciples told people, if you're tempted, spend time with God. Pray. Why? Because then you're influenced by God who's greater than the world. And then it says he gives power to the weak, and he increases, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Notice this. Even the youth shall faint and be, be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. In other words, people even that are young, that have natural strength, will be overcome. But notice what he said. But those who wait upon the Lord. What does it mean, wait upon the Lord? It literally means to spend time with him. Whether it's in his word, or in prayer, or in praising him, you spend time. Why would we do this? Why is this a priority? Why was it a priority to Jesus? Because he who would wait on the Lord shall renew or literally exchange their strength. Renew their strength. Renew their strength. What does it mean to renew? You know, if you have a membership... When they talk about renewal, it means if that membership ran out, you're resuming the membership. You're resuming the benefit of it. And when we spend time with the Lord, it resumes the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. Remember in Acts 13, they wanted direction from God. So you know what they did? Those five leaders, they got together and just started praying and spending time. And when they started spending time with God, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit began to deal with them and began to speak to their hearts. There is verses like this throughout the Bible. 
But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength or resume, cause something to, that had an interruption to start again. How many of you know this, that anytime we really want to know something from God, we first look in the book, but then, then we spend time with Him. And there are benefits there that are incredible. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a changed life. Now we're going to close over here in 2 Corinthians. And I believe these things are huge for us. If we will take the time once we've given our life to the Lord, it's a miserable place to be in no man's land. You're a Christian, but you're not committed to him. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he's not for you. But it can be a real miserable place. Now, I'm not trying to say anybody is there. But there is a place. But really, when it comes down to living for Christ, you ready? It's really easy. It really is easy. Look at this in, in 2 Corinthians 11. What happens is sometimes in people's walk with the Lord, uh, they're maybe not doing some of the simple things that they're supposed to do, and it affects them. They're miserable. Everybody else around them is miserable because of their misery. But how many of you know life doesn't have to be like that? It's pretty funny, but it's not. It's sad. You know, because people think, my problem is my, because my dad treated me bad, or, or other people treated me bad. But in all reality, we just kind of have to man up, or one up, or whatever you do. And face the facts that if we would just do uh, these basic things that we're called to do with the Lord, uh, life will roll. That doesn't mean you won't face things, but look at this verse here in 2 Corinthians 11. The 11th chapter, and we're going to begin reading in the third verse. It says this, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so that your minds may be corrupted or become corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Think about this statement right here. He talks about how he was concerned for these Christians because their minds had, might have been corrupted like Adam and Eve's minds were corrupted in the beginning. How were their minds corrupted? False reasoning came in. Different kinds of reasoning came into their life. Oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to follow this. And he said their minds became corrupted. Notice this. But he says, and he calls it this, 
he said that your minds would not be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. You know, in reality, it's super simple to serve God. It really is. Give him your life and just obey him and put him first. Obey him, put him first. That is simple. Put him first. Well, what does putting him first look like? In other words, he's the priority of my life. His things are the priority of my life. And everything else kind of trickles down from there. Isn't spending time with him putting him as a priority? I mean, it's, it's interesting when people get in a relationship with somebody and they really like them. What do they do? They become a priority. They're not like, well, you know, I'm busy on Sundays. Or, oh, I'm busy. on the They adjust their schedule for that girl or for that guy or for those friends. Why? Because they become a priority. And you can tell what's a priority because everything else kind of becomes secondary. Everything else revolves around that priority. And when we're talking about the simplicity that is in Christ, we're talking about a priority. A simple priority. And sometimes, you know, people struggle with this. And it's kind of like when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, you know, to Pharaoh, how, how long, you know, till you let the people go? And, the, it was, and it was causing problems to Pharaoh for not letting him go. And uh, he said, well, not today. Uh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. So he caused himself to have one more day with the frogs. I mean, this, this problem was there because he, he wouldn't respond. God is good. He wants good things for you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him richly. That doesn't mean there won't be tests or trials. He wants you to be committed. But it, it really does come down to simplicity. And really for some people, it's like, I'm just going to live it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that adjustment. When you do, man, let nobody hold you back. Let nothing hold you back. We're living... Literally, in the last of the last days of human existence as we know it on the earth. And so our goal is to reach people, to lead people to God, so they can have God in them and know him themselves. And, but God isn't just about you reaching them. He's about helping you live your life victorious. Are you with me? He's about you living victorious. Are you with me? He is about you living victorious. So like I said, super simple. Our commitment to him, the right things, the simple things is a priority. You know, they used to always say this, just hear and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way 
to be happy in Jesus. You know, that's still true. It really is. Amen. Everybody alive? Everybody well? God's for us. Super simple.